Hello, it's me, Eve Sturgis. This is my podcast, Everything's Relative. And yes, truthfully and technically, it's called Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. But that is so awkward to say for me. So this season, I would rather just call it Everything's Relative, if that's all right with you. Um, But yes, if that's what you were looking for, this is it. This is Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. I like to call it everything's relative. Anyway, uh, welcome to this podcast, whatever it's called. And here's what happened to me. I found out that the man who raised me, who I called dad my entire life, uh, was not actually my biological father. And then I found out that this is happening to people all the time, uh, like every day, in every part of the world, to people from all walks of life. So I was like, I want to talk about this. So here we are. Uh, A lot, like a ton of people are having these life-altering, shocking DNA discoveries, a lot because of mail-in DNA kits. But it's not everyone. Um, I found out because someone called me on the phone. Ryan, who I talked to in today's episode, found out because his brother made a comment and Ryan couldn't quite stop thinking about it. So then he went to his mom. So one thing I think we all wonder about, um, for those of us who did not do a mail-in DNA discovery, is is the timing of these, you know, moments. I don't know what to call them. These one small moments in time, these these offhanded comments that someone makes or a phone call that that someone happens to answer. Um, and just just wondering the way that that their understanding and trajectory of things can change so much on on a on a dime. Um, and if it was ever going to change, or if it was really that that fragile, or, or... anyway, Ryan came to me uh, through the world of adoption support. Uh, he knows someone who encouraged him to reach out to me, and I love it so much when that happens. Uh, someone trusts me enough to recommend to their friends to talk to me, um, and this friend was Ryan. He is from Scotland, and talking to him was a complete delight. I don't know about you. But I fall into the category of American people who feel completely enamored by accents. Ryan's Scottish accent, uh, some might call it a brogue. I'm bringing it up now because I feel, um, well, one thing is because I felt a little bit like a schoolgirl and I'm a little bit silly through the whole thing. Um, But more importantly, uh, because I think that some of you are going to find it hard to understand much of what Ryan is saying. If that's happening to you, I want to encourage you to watch the video that Ryan made instead of listening to the podcast. Uh, You can put on the subtitles and relax into your own Braveheart fantasies or the important message of Ryan's story. It is on YouTube and it's called Me Opening Up. I promise to have all the links on my website and all the socials. Um, It should be easy to find. Uh, and really everyone, even if you do listen to the podcast, go watch the video anyway. Um, I will have it all ready for you. So go to my socials uh, at Everything's Relative Podcast on Instagram or Facebook or go to my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com uh, to find it. If you're still here after all that and you want to listen to Ryan and me talk about his adoption discovery and how it affected him, I'm going to play it right now. If you're heading away from this podcast to go watch the video also wonderful, please enjoy. If you're not going to do either, what are you even doing here?
So, so we'll just we'll kind of just jump right in um, because we're here to to tell to hear your story. You're um, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to just tell the story that's on your video because yep. people can just watch your video. So I'd rather have more of a conversation about it. Um, so I purposefully did not watch it again. I watched it one time. Um, and so I guess I, I would like to know. So we'll get to your we'll get to what happened when you're 18. But before that, how would you have described your childhood? Yeah, childhood um, it was it was okay. It mm -hmm. was um, what the richest family, um, what the poorest either. Um, I was a bit embarrassed of my parents. Um, because obviously not much money and uh, different accents mm. and uh, different um, parents, a different religion, and obviously some different different skin color. Right. So you felt different. You felt different in all those ways, always. Yeah. Even before, even before adoption. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My adopted dad's Moroccan. My adopted mum's English. Mum's white. Dad's uh, tanned, black, same as me. So um, adoption didn't cross my mind. Then mm -hmm. I did wish I was white. Uh, I did wish I was you did. Uh, same colour as most Scottish and British people. I was just going to ask, what was the diversity? Were there people of colour at your school or in your town? What is what is it like? How many people in Scotland? There mm -hmm. was, but not many. Um, not as many as there is now. Um, but it was, it was just another reason to uh, stand out. Mm -hmm. All you, all I wanted to do was just fit in. Sure, sure. All you wanted to do was fit in, and um, and when you said your parents had accents, your mother was British. Uh, yeah, I'm. I live in Edinburgh, uh -huh. and we've got uh, strong Scottish accents. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, England has got a different accent. Right. Uh, so she's got um, a, she's got a, um, an English accent. <laughs> yeah. And and your dad and then your dad was from Morocco. Was his was his accent a, sort of a, from Morocco or did he have a British? What did he sound? What does he sound like? Not British. She was a bit Moroccan. Okay. Yes. And um, yeah, it was just it wasn't typical Scottish. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. what yeah. most friends were. Um, Obviously, yeah. So it was just. Did you play sports? Did you and did you have siblings? Yeah, I got an uh, older adopted brother and sister. Okay. But um, there's a big age difference. I think they're uh, 15 years older. Oh my gosh! Well, a fact is that the five of us have never been in a room together. Uh, me, my brother, my sister, and my mum. We've never been. My dad. We've never been in a room together in life. Wow! Really? Really, Ryan? Don't think that will ever happen. Yeah. Wow. Um, I was kind of brought, even though I have a brother and sister, I was kind of brought up an only child. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I liked sport. And um, I, was, I, was, I was quite a quiet child uh, hmm. compared to what I am now. <laughs> um, I was very nice. And at times I could be very destructive and like a brat and mm. you know, get my own way. Um, yeah, just, yeah, just, uh, I don't know why my mum put up with me, but she was fantastic. Mm-hmm, because she loved you. 
Um, and, uh, and did, okay. And did you know that your older brother and sister were adopted before you turned 18? They, they weren't adopted. They were they're, not adopted. They're, they're biological. Got it. And okay. What also annoyed me was they were white as well. Oh, I was, uh, black. Right. But so, okay. I didn't know that. Um, I thought they had, they had also been adopted. They were not adopted. They were okay. No. So, all right. So, so, uh, so tell me, and then tell me about, about how you found out, um, you were adopted, which is how, walk me through your late discovery. So, um, mother, the parent relationship wasn't, um, uh, very good. Mm. Um, every year it was getting worse and worse. And, Adopted father, he's a bit uh, religious, and religion came first, and um, we didn't kind of follow down that path, and they got divorced, and uh, we moved away, me and my mother, and um, yeah, when I was 18, just before I was 18, my brother was uh, hinted to me, um, you need to speak to mum and find out, so she's got something to tell you. And I always felt there was something odd about me, but because mm-hmm. my dad was Moroccan, uh, I'm Moroccan, um, I would also lie and say that I was Scottish. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was growing up, I was ashamed of that shamefulness. I would just lie. I was, I was ashamed of my name, ashamed of my skin colour, ashamed of my nationality, ashamed mm. um, of my da- dad's religion. Um, spoke to my mum and she told me the truth. She wrote me a letter. She was staying in England at the time. And yeah, the world just came crashing down. I was, I was in floods of tears. I ran away, and when I got back, I just didn't speak. I booked a flight back up to uh, the place I grew up, and uh, stayed with a friend. And then got a flat and lived on my own for the next thirteen years. And when when that happened, I just vowed to never talk about that again, and um, never told anyone. Kept it a secret. And hmm. ashamed. So much shame. I mean, you've you've carried so much shame since you were little. Like it's interesting and sad. Sad. I'm not. I'm not into it. Um. But but it's very interesting that you had so much shame because of your skin color, because of your accent, because of your dad. Like and your dad. Yeah, and then the adoption that just uh, that was a nail in the coffin. And, right. And then you lose your dad through the divorce. I mean, you don't lose your dad, but that's a that's a a breaking of a family kind of right and it wasn't really there emotionally and it just became like an enemy right and then you find out that you're adopted which is this makes you think like um that's the reason why there's no connection hmm. and um you just everyone turns out to be black and white now who do you trust right and but my, my adopted mum done that out of love, mm-hmm. uh, and I understand why she done that. And she wasn't she wasn't given much guidance, so obviously she came to the Moroccan orphanage. She picked me out of a line of babies. They were all crying, badly dressed. And uh, my dad does my dad. My dad says we're not getting a girl, getting a boy. First one we pick, and that's it. Um, so my mother's she picked up the first one she picked was a girl, uh, so the next one she picked was a boy. And so that's just, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's chance. I need to be something special. I only found out about this about uh, 
like this time last year. Wow. So I only start, I, so I, yeah, so you know, I found out about 18, I just, no more questions. Mm-hmm. I was just ignore that. I'm 18 year old. I'm going to go out and party with my friends and enjoy my teenage years and my early 20s. Lock it up. That's where I found drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. I had a great time and also had a terrible time. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that. Those drugs and alcohol do that. Yeah, so that was my that was my escape, and I'm just trying to find, I'm just trying to travel and um, go on holidays and block my friends or my family. I push my adopted family away. Did you know? Did you know at the time that you were doing that because you were upset about about the adoption trauma, or did you um, did you just think? Were you not Were you not thinking about it that deeply? No, I wasn't thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as the years went by, you think of when I was like my late twenties. That's when I started thinking I can't keep the secret up anymore. Hmm. And you never told any of your friends. No one. No. No one. I think I told my first person in two thousand and eighteen. Um. So that was what four. It was when I was drunk. It was a girl. And um, that's three years ago. That's only three years ago. Yeah, so t- t- like 10 years later, I told my first person when I was drunk because we were having heart to hearts. In the morning, I regretted it and I was mm. all anxious and just been like vulnerable and I was not in a good place. Mm. You know, you think, oh, you sh- you've told someone you should feel better. No, I was in panic. I told another girl uh, the next year, 2019, same situation when I was drunk. And same, it's the same feelings. And then it wasn't until I opened up to the doctor in, in May 2020, uh, after lockdown started uh, and COVID started, it started around March in the UK. Um, that's when I was, uh, I, I just decided I want to deal with my adoption. I decided to stop drinking drugs so I'd have a clear head, uh, deal with my adoption do it for a year well no it was actually i was i didn't plan it i planned to stop drinking drugs while covid was finished and i thought it would only last right months. I mean, <laughs> that's the easy agreement yeah for a little while there we thought covid was just going to be like a t- you know in, here in la we thought it would be two weeks that was killing me beforehand yeah. and over the years not telling anyone and the reason i came out with my story is because it was killing me and i want to help people to speak up because mm-hmm. uh keeping secrets like that uh well the, the keeping secrets in general uh, for me uh, i believe it was really damaging and i wish i was brave enough to speak up because mm-hmm. when i did speak up big weight off my shoulders and not not don't have anything figured out yet i'm still winging it but i'm trying and the feedback I got from my story was fantastic and uh, helped a lot of people. And I'm just trying to push on and keep trying to keep on helping. And um, yeah, it was just. But I, so I understand when people say to me, "I couldn't tell my story," because if you asked me two, three, four, five, ten years ago, oh, do, do you want to tell your story? I would have just been put my wall up and ran away as far as fast as I could 
another direction. Can I ask you some questions about that? Yeah, yeah. When you talk about holding the secret in, were you thinking about, did you think about I'm adopted? Was that a thought that was going on? Would you say, would you think about every it day. every day? I, I, okay. I'm an overthinker. So every day. I, so every day adoption's on my mind. Okay. Every day I feel uh, upset. Every day I feel lonely. Every day I feel um yeah, worthless. Yeah, isolated and worthless. Yeah. yeah, and my choice to be alone, and I push people away, and but then even though they feel I have their feelings every day, it's like the, the time scale. Sometimes they happen for like five ten seconds, and then the, I just think positive. I, I'm understanding the, the feelings are always going to be there, but then that you just need to look on the flip side of life at what good things I do have and how to push forward and yeah just try to see make the best out of it um, mm -hmm. even though it is sad sad thoughts they do pass and then try and concentrate on the happy thoughts right so I think one of the things I think is really interesting about your story is is that you're young <laughs> you're young yeah I've got I've got gray hair no but it's coming but you're but you're young you're younger than a um a large like a large portion of the MPE or the LDA or the donor conceived communities tend to be people that are a little bit older than older than me older than you I'm older than you um and so when I think of people saying like oh I was I found out I was adopted and I felt ashamed or nobody talked about adoption or that was something that was a secret I think oh that's that's from the olden days that's from that's from society in the 60s and the 70s and now you're here saying no. I this was this happened, you know, ten years ago. Um, did you know anybody else that was adopted? No, I meant no. So no I one. felt alone. Yeah, in your whole life, like there wasn't any other kid in class that was like openly. I think like, I may have heard like bits here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the statistics. I don't know if we're like one percent, five percent of the population. Sure. Um, here in the UK or in the world, I don't know. I think I've seen the the, the percent, the figure five percent of Americans uh -huh. adopted, which is quite small. You um, know, do you think that part of that is? And you tell me because I don't know about I don't know very much about Scotland. I'll be honest. Um, do you think that was partly a societal cultural thing that was making you feel like adoption was something that was not not good, or do you think it was all a personal thing? Just personal, like. Mm -hmm. I just, as soon as I told them I'm adopted, I felt isolated. Mm. Like I'm, I'm in this world alone. Uh, blood meant everything. So if, meaning, they, I just, I just automatically thought, if you've got family, you's are more happier than me. If you's are blood related, you're more happier than me. And now over life experience, family is what you make of it. Make it. But that my thought was, I automatically thought everyone was happier than me. I just had a dark cloud over me because, so mm -hmm. I don't have any information of right. any of my family. I was uh, an orphan, so I was uh, left in Morocco. So that's that's like quite challenging. Um, There's so much information now coming out. Um, still slowly, but like more and more studies about the actual trauma, the trauma of the baby being adopted. There's so much focus because the culture is so excited to talk about the good things about adoption that now there's people saying like, hey, like all these babies, 
are experiencing major, major trauma. And, um, and for you to describe being an orphan in a lineup of little babies. Yeah. Well, my thought was, you know, I, I was picked, so I need to be grateful. And um, I'm thinking about what about the other babies? Uh, why was if I wasn't picked? Would I be running? Most like everyone says Morocco's a poor country. I'd be running the streets. Um, would I still be alive? And on my good days, I'm like, I'm going to do something great with my life because I was picked. Mm-hmm. And on my bad days, I feel worthless. I can't get up. Uh, waste of a decision. And um, this is all this pressure that I put on my own mind. And it's like, I need, and I, need to, I feel like I need to prove it to everyone that I deserve to be the one picked. Mm. And, um, That's exhausting. With my overthinking mind, I'm creating all these scenarios. And um, yes, yeah, just and there's there's other, there's other places that have it worse, worse China, mm-hmm. um, India, um, I don't know Korea. Um, there's lots of countries, and um, yeah, it was just that would always go through my mind. But Morocco is not like it's a different. It's a language barrier. So it's not as if. I've still not been back yet, but it's not as if I could just turn up and go speak to, speak to anyone. Right. Um, right. Because, you can't just go ask the you can't just go walk in walk in and ask all the questions. Yeah, it's not just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So you found out when you were eighteen. Um. At the at the time or or now that you're you're sort of working on yourself and working through this, do you feel like um, you wish that you're parents had told you sooner or that there was a better way to do it or a different way to do it it had gone differently from what i've read is is more the most important thing is to tell a a kid from the start but i've known people who've told their child from the start and they can't deal with it and um even their child committed suicide turned to drinking drugs and obviously there's a fact that adoptions are four times more likely to commit suicide but my belief is that it's better to tell the truth and it's just the way you do it make mm-hmm. try and do it with a bit of empathy and show, show come out say it from a caring side a caring point of view and um it is important to tell them tell right from the start but uh, at the same time i understand why my mom didn't do it she said it was a difficult task. She was, she, it's a decision she regrets. I'm amazed. And that's why uh, all her kindness, I'm trying to learn from her mm-hmm. to try and be a better person in the world and to help others. Well, that's that's part of, um, like, it's just, it strikes me that that's a part of unconditional love coming from your, your mother is that she was she was willing to still stand there even though she knew it was really hard and uncomfortable and that you were really angry. That's why I need to feel lucky because mm-hmm. some people don't have that relationship right. with adoption, adopted uh, mother. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have great adoptions and I'm happy for them. Uh, some people have the one parent that they get on with. Some people have none. Yeah. And um, I just hope that people who don't have uh 
any connection to any adopted their adopted family have someone they can um, turn to, and I believe that's adoptees. So joining joining all the adoptee groups I go to, Zoom groups, support groups. Um, I believe all us adoptees we get each other. For me, if I find out you're adopted, I've got your back. You're my friend, um, and I've only learned this over the last years. Uh, since I've, you know, when I found out I was adopted, I'm starting meeting all these adopted people. I don't feel alone anymore. Yeah, how did that feel the first time you met a group of people that were adopt adopted, or other another person? I was in a bad place, um, September 2020, and uh, had my first Zoom meeting, and it takes me about 20 minutes, half an hour to explain my story. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, "Wow!" And quite unique with being an LDA and um, keeping my story a secret. I've not many met many people, many adoptees who've literally told no one. And then now I'm just telling all. <laughs> <laughs> Making up for lost time. Yeah, I'm like adoptee focus. I'm um, yeah, I'm still trying to search for my family. Mm-hmm. But just going at my own pace. But yeah, um, it, I was making up for lost time so I was too what's the word like wanting too much mm. I was like, like at the start I only had a, a, a what a group once a month I needed a group every day right you're just starving for connection yeah and then now I've now I've got that I can get that now but that's took me a long time to find that mm-hmm. I meet a lot of adoptees who join all these groups and they were like I didn't know this existed there's there's not much awareness out there and so it's all of us connecting with each other I was I did I did feel relieved when I found out there was lots of adoptees there but at the start I had too much to too much bottled up I didn't have enough uh support Mm -hmm. and um to be honest anything and anything can set you off as well like life's not easy mm-hmm. is it right something can happen in your life and then you're you're at the low but these support groups for me help me um sometimes you don't sometimes i go to a support group and i got nothing from it mm-hmm. sometimes i go and lots of adoptees have helped me out and uh, been supportive and that's made a difference in me feeling good mm-hmm um, yeah, I'm so glad you found them. How how did you know? How did you f- hear about the first one? Did you just Google something? Like how how did you stumble upon? Um, I use Facebook. Um, I went to my doctor's, uh, and because it was COVID, everyone was on Zoom. Right. But well, it did take a lot of perseverance. It's not as if it's easy access. I had to go through someone to go through someone, and then when you start meeting someone, and then you need to be confident to talk. Sometimes I'm a bit shy, um, and then when I felt a bit brave, I could talk, and then you start asking questions, and then one group leads to two, leads to three. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in about ten Zoom groups. Oh my gosh! Now and I'm in, no joke about thirty Facebook groups. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! That's so many, Ryan. But I don't, I don't really speak in them. I just share my story. Um, but if I ever, I, I do watch. Um, some of the, the, the Facebook groups and there's people out there that are supportive. So that just shows me that there are strangers out there who care mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for anyone who's 
feeling low or uh, need some support. There is people out there who care and um, it, it helps me. Yeah, it sounds like for the first time you you really are part of a community and and whether you're speaking all the time or not or participating all the time, you're in, you're in it, you're in the community and you're a member and you you all relate and you know you support them and they support you and that is really powerful for you. Yeah, so with the support groups, it's not you don't even if like you're you can go go to the support group and if you've not got any problems yourself, you can maybe help someone else. Mm-hmm. That's that me feel made me feel good when I done that. Even just a little comment, or even just showing someone a bit of support, mm-hmm. or even just listening to someone rant, and even just listening to their problems, and you're like, it makes you it makes you think, doesn't it? Absolutely. And uh, hopefully, just trying, even just hearing some good news, give you some inspiration or. Um, you know, just keeping yourself educated. Um, so my, th- my thought is give it a try. Mm-hmm. If it works, mm-hmm. great. If it doesn't, no harm lost. Is a, at least you're trying. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? Um, where, where are you living now? Are you in Edinburgh? I'm back in Edinburgh. So, okay. Uh, with, my, with my story was I found out at 18... Head was all over the place, put this to the back of my mind, and I just got a job. My friends were my family, and um, just getting doing alcohol and drugs. And um, I found, uh, yeah, I went on a holiday and I enjoyed traveling. Um, then I found uh, an island called Ibiza in Spain. Oh, I- I know about Ibiza. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen you there. I've seen you there. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that much older than you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I went there on holiday, fell in love with the place. Um, I think two years later, 2015, I decided I'm gonna gonna go out there. So I went out there for five summers, um, and yeah, it was just a party lifestyle, and uh, it was it was good fun. Not so good for the mind and the body, but I made some amazing memories, more good than bad. And um, but so what 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 annoyed me was um, I'd kept this a secret, so Ibiza was escaping, and in the winter I'd go travelling around the world. Oh, perfect! It's a perfect life. That's what that's what everyone thought. Right, perfect life. He's living the best life. Mm-hmm. But every holiday I was going on, every summer in Ibiza, adoption was always on my mind. Mm-hmm. So it may looks good, but when I'm alone. I'm thinking all these negative thoughts and right when I'm when I'm doing all these holidays, I'm not I've not told anyone about this. I'm just so I've got all these people around me having a great time, but really I'm feeling alone. And everyone's everyone's come up to me saying you've got an amazing life. And I was wanting to tell them, tell all, but I just never had the guts. Mm. So um yeah, it was um so I, I was my th- it was my thirtieth. I was in LA in Vegas, mm-hmm. um, 2020th. I went over myself. It was, uh, it was good fun, and yeah, I just when I got back, um, something just clicked in me that this 
I need to deal with uh, my lifestyle. I'm 30 year old, not dealt with my adoption. So that's when COVID start, started. And then I decided, right, I'm going to try and get my head in a good place and get some direction in life instead of living the Peter Pan life. When I was taking drugs, I was ending up unconscious a few times. So that kind of gave me a like a shock to the system. Right, a wake-up call. Right. I wasn't I wasn't didn't care about my health, but at the same time I didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I was kind of just living to 30 to see mm-hmm. if I had what like if I could figure life out. And when 30 came, I'm like, I've not lived life how you're supposed to live life, where you have a family, you have a relationship, um, you buy a house, you you get a good job. I was just drinking, taking drugs and just trying to find the next buzz in life. Yeah, well, yeah, and I don't know that you need all those things, but but anybody needs all those things but but you felt you just were no longer fulfilled drugs and alcohol were no longer doing it yeah you wanted to be grounded because when you drink and take drugs too much it gets on top of you you do silly things make mistakes and um it's not sensible is it <laughs> right no um, it's <laughs> it's not a sustainable lifestyle yeah i'm all about trying to find, have that balance mm-hmm. as, as i as i said before i've had the time of my life doing it on occasions but they have had made me feel at the lowest points in my life mm-hmm. and that's where I that's where I decided I wanted to change and I reached out for help and it's the best thing I've done mm-hmm. I'm so glad that happened I mean I'm so glad that something inside of you wanted change well, that that was because of a lockdown in COVID when COVID started I was just like right this is a sign and most of the people I know, everyone just was drinking in lockdown, and um, I wish I did. But I, I, I was, uh, I was going through my own journey. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I was just like, if I'm going to get myself better, I, w- I want nothing to interfere. I, well, that's so cool because so many people don't don't do that, and and also um, you are finding like fulfillment for yourself and a better life, but also the, this community, you're helping so many other people now. Yeah. In a, new, in, in a new way, right. You're there for them and you're part of this community and you speak out. I've always had, I've always helped my friends and I was trying loads of things like yoga and meditation, stuff. That's not even me. I was just giving it a try. And uh, volunteering was one that I've always wanted to try. As I said, I was like, I'll, I'll do some volunteering. Never done it. Mm-hmm. And when the opportunity came, I was like, you know what, go go for it. And then I done it, and yeah, I done that for six months, and I loved it, and uh, it was rewarding, and um, yeah, helping others helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just looking back on my journey. I've just seen how I've slowly taken steps to try and um, yeah, become a better person and uh, and to help others. And it's not been easy as well because um, when I was, I never came out with my story until I think I told my first friend in, I think it was uh, May, mm-hmm. uh, this year. May of this so, year? Yeah, so <laughs> I, told, I, told the, I told the doctors on May 
2020. Uh-huh. And then it took you another year to tell a friend. Another year to tell a friend. So even though, so another thing, everyone, so I'm staying off the drinking drugs for a year. Everyone's coming up to me saying, you must feel amazing. You must feel, you must feel great. Um, I didn't feel great until I told, until I got my story out. Mm-hmm. And then I had a process where I was going to tell all my friends face to face. And then, yeah, and then I popped it online. Uh, I told all the adoptee groups on the Facebook. And mm-hmm. I got a fantastic reaction. Um, but see, before, I wouldn't join any of the adoptee groups in case someone I knew was in that group and put two and two together. Right. That's how paranoid I was. And now mm-hmm. I'm in the 30 groups. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, um, um, anyone, anything adoption related, I want to know about it. No shame. Um, yeah. And I want every, I want everyone to know about it, adoptee wise, so mm-hmm. they can network and have the resources because we're all everyone specifies in a different area, and um, one person would be benefit from speaking to person A or person B, person C. So everyone's if they've got an issue, they can be directed to a person who can help them best. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was, when I told all my friends, everyone's just, I'm quite good at keeping secrets. So I was keeping everything to myself. Everyone was just shocked. Yeah. I, I was always worried about, in case I got a negative response hmm. or who cares response. Mm. Sometimes that's worse. Yeah, because this was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And thankfully I got a supportive reaction from everyone. And when I eventually came out with my video, that was um, in August this year, mm-hmm. it got viewed by about 14,000 14, views. So I was, I was, uh, and then just every, all the messages um, of support, uh, someone just putting a thumbs up or a love heart to right. some people, writing three pages, mm-hmm. telling me, pouring their heart out. They're the people I'm drawn to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, drawn to, I'm drawn to everyone. But more so the others who who actually um, showed that they cared. But when I came out with my video, I was I felt vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I was scared to leave the house, and you know people were approaching me, um, and I was just I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, that was a, that's a big deal. And uh, you've you've really tapped into something um, that we don't we just don't talk about or think about very much um, in the in the the larger public. And yet all these people are experiencing it and feeling it all the time. And you were able to put a voice to it. The reason I've done that was because over the years, I've been to a lot of funerals and I've lost a lot of friends, mostly mm. uh, to drugs. Um, and yeah, I was just trying to get that message out to try to find your balance in life, try and talk more, um, yeah, reach out. and. Uh, Try and not make people feel alone because if, if we all talked to each other, maybe this world would be a better place, right? Rather than uh, keeping everything a secret and but making it uh build, build up in your own mind, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that was, I, I felt, I felt like I needed, uh, I needed to try and do something to. To make a difference mm-hmm. and you have and you have and you still are yeah. it's very the, yeah before i was like 
I didn't know what I was frustrated at myself. And yeah, now once I've done that, I want to just keep pushing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just try and just speak to everyone as if it's the last time you'd ever speak to them. So keep everything on uh, good vibes and be kind. Always help people. Um, to, and be supportive so you've got everyone's back and hopefully they've got yours right um, and maybe that could be key to having a happy life maybe who knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh well the adoption community so i mean i i Look, I can't speak for the adoption community, but I can say that the MPE community uh, is lucky to have you. And um, I imagine that the adoption gr- groups feel lucky to have you as well on everybody, like anybody who can who can learn something or um, glean something or feel inspiration from you. Um, it's just it's just so cool. I think it's so you're such an awesome not even in the adoption, you know, com- com- adoption, notwithstanding, you're an awesome human. So um so it's 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 really lovely to to just to see positives coming out of such hard struggles. Yeah, so I noticed with some adoptees, like some of us, uh, we don't like to ask for help. Some of us, uh, we don't like to feel uncomfortable receiving comf- uh, compliments. Right. Uh, some of us, uh, our relationships, really difficult. As I said, I've got trust issues. I've never had mm-hmm. a relationship. Um, that gets to me a lot. But now I've opened up, maybe one day it'll mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. But, um, and the, although some adoptees be like, if someone does anything bad to you, you're like, you cut them off. Right. And that's what I, I notice all these similarities in most adoptees. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, just to make, make people feel comfortable uh, that they're not alone and uh, yeah just hopefully people can can reach out very cool uh, yeah it's very good it's very kind I wish I had that when I was 18 I don't know if I would have been ready um, mm-hmm. um, hopefully with all of us everything moving forward people can um, people can get access to more and it's, it's, making this world a less lonely place for other people yeah wow yeah it would be amazing if 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 the just the more and more we can get this information out it's amazing to think about what kind of um just what kind of world we could have if everybody knew about these resources more um and was able to be there for each other which is all we can do right you're doing you're doing your part so a lot of people even um there's support groups I think support groups are, uh, they do a lot for me. Um, but even for like non-adopted people, there's, if they can find someone, a support group, what to whatever's happened to them, they're speaking to someone who's had a similar situation happen to them will help. Say, for instance, if they can't, if they're not, can't see their kids or yeah, relationship breakups or stuff like that, there's... Mm-hmm. Uh, they types of support groups. The, the worst feeling for me was feeling alone. Alone, absolutely. Yes, um, and thankfully now I know when 
bad stuff happened, you start to go down a little a rocky road. Um, I find now I find it easier to jump back up on the right path. Before I would, um, I'd be all over the place. Yeah, but with yeah, with support, you're you're developing resilience with community, which is, um, which is so powerful. Um, I will post if you want to give me information to, um, just some resources for for adoptees, whatever that is, whatever you think are the best, you know, the top five yeah. or the top ten things. I will um, I'll put them up on the Instagram and the and the internet when I, um, when this episode goes up to make sure that anybody listening can go on there and find it. Well, for, for like what I want to create is um, basically we're all different. Uh, so adoptees, some people, even as people, some people like books. So what's the best books we can read that are adoption related? Podcasts. What's the best podcasts? Uh, obviously your one. <laughs> um, and um, counsellors. Um, in the UK, there's not many counsellors in that are adoption related. Right. Um, films. Is there any adoption film people can think of? If all of us adoptees put our minds together, give them, give their opinion, and then we, we just have this resource where everyone can just tap into and like, it's like, it's like certain articles. And um, yeah, I've read a few, some, some books. And when I read them, I was. I felt. Um, yeah, I felt like a bit more not alone. So you. Th- so there's nothing like that right now. There's not like a website you can go to that would say like best books, best articles, best book, best podcasts, videos. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is, but I'd like to create. You would like one, yeah. That seems awesome. Well, I speak to so many adoptees, and they don't know about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you say, well, is this a, is this podcast? Have you listened to that? Everyone's like, no. Well, you've read this book. They're like, they're like no. Um, and as I said, you, you need to list different uh, different areas because some people might not like reading. Some right. people might like, might, might like podcasts. Some people might like videos. Uh, I know there's a video, Paul Sunderland, um, on YouTube. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've, you've uh, seen that one. Mm-mm. Uh, people say it's about adoption. People say that's he's a therapist in the UK. People say that's. Uh, oh, I have seen him. I think so. Does he talk about the trauma of the separation yes. of the baby at birth? Yes, 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 yes. His, yeah, that's a, his stuff is really powerful. See someone seeing one of the one of the videos. You said that can be so powerful to them. It can just make something click in their mind mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, keep them keep them in a good place rather than when I was feeling that yeah. uh, lost place before. That's not nice to feel like that. So No. Okay. Adoption community, help Ryan make that website. <laughs> help him. Who can reach out and help this guy make this amazing resource? There's courses out there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we, if we all just get together and all network and all put our ideas together. I've got a few ideas, but I know there's I know there's lots more people out there more intelligent than me, <laughs> and uh, and we all put ourselves together. And I don't know I don't know how we're going to get share the awareness, but um, it can help others who are struggling. Yeah, let's do that's, it. That's I feel, the goal. I feel like this is I feel like this is an attainable goal. 
to get this resource to get this resource up up and going. We'll work on it. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for spending this morning with me. It's morning for me. It's night for you. Um, thank you for having me. Oh, I really. It's been it's been so fun. It's been it was so fun to. I love when that. I love when somebody knows somebody who knows somebody and it all, and they all connect and say, you know, I've got, I've got somebody you got to talk to and and they tell you to, to contact me. It was just so fun to do it that way. And, um, that was the Scottish accent. Is that okay? It was okay. I think, um, I understood everything and may, maybe I'll think about putting a transcript up if it's really hard for people, but, um, but I understood everything that you said. I, um, I thought it was lovely. It was so fun. Um, this won't go up for a while because I'm on hiatus right now, but, um, yeah, yeah. but, but let's keep in touch about all the, about the resources so I can put them all up at the same time. Um, and yeah. I'll make sure and, and tell everybody about your video and, um, we'll just kind of keep in touch now that we're connected. Yeah, I was, um, happy with that. I done a podcast a month ago and I was, re- I was really nervous. I was all over the place. So I've tried to settle my nerves. Oh, well, you seem settled like, to me. I feel like I got tongue-tied and I get um, uh, a stutter and I go off on tangents when I'm talking about this and I'm on that. Then I, I don't know if adoptees, if we suffer from ADHD or anything. Uh, uh, I can, I just diagnose myself. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm all over the place. But no. Nope. I felt like I was self-critical as well. Yeah. Nope. I was with you the whole, I was with you the whole way. It was great. Um, all right. So let's be in touch and, um, I will, but yeah, I'll be, if I don't hear from you, you'll hear from me. Um, okay. So go have a good night. I will do. Thank you. We met. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ryan. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Good night. So there you have it, everyone, Ryan's story. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. If I remember correctly, it was late at night for you in Scotland. Um, I appreciate your willingness to adjust to the time zones. And then you've been so patient for this episode to come out. Uh, I hope that it was worth the wait, Ryan, um, to know that your story is reaching more and more people all the time. The messages that you have to the adoption community about communicating with adoptees, communicating with each other, um, the messages to adoptees about loving themselves, taking care of themselves, facing their truths, embracing their stories. I really believe the world is a better place with you in it, Ryan. Um, I hope we get to meet one day. And if that happens, I'm sure your accent will leave me melted in a mess, but I think it would be worth it. Hey, listeners, uh, did you order your process journal yet? Who Even Am I Anymore is officially, finally available on Amazon.com, and it was made for the MPE late adoptee, adoptee, and donor-conceived community. It was made by me. Uh, If you find yourself falling into any of these categories, the book may be of great help to you. Uh, That was my hope when developing it. Uh, Great for yourself great as a gift. I think welcoming someone into our community with a book like this will greatly ease their transition. Um, I wish that something like this was available when I had my DNA discovery. It was a big impetus for developing it myself. Um, So it's available. Look, I promise not to drown every episode in me talking about this journal, but I'll be really honest. I'm really proud of it. I worked really hard, really grateful for the help I got from people in our community to put it together. 
And I'm really eager to hear if and how it's helping people or what you think. You can find Who Even Am I Anymore on Amazon.com or head over to my website, everythingrelativepodcast.com to find the link, of course. Uh, It comes in all the ways, Kindle, paperback, hardcover. So get it, get a pen, get 15 minutes of quiet time and get to processing. I'll be back next week processing this shit with a new guest. Um, Thank you so much for being here, for listening and all the ways you support this endeavor. Make sure you're subscribed on your listening platform. Make sure you're leaving reviews and make sure you take out the garbage before you go on a long trip. I'm Eve Sturgis and this is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally, and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Ever wanted to hear the story of the time that Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine's kid had a two-hour-long tantrum that drove generations of their family to weep? Or maybe the story of SNL's Bobby Moynihan's kid who found random pizza in a playground sandbox and ate it? If so, you should check out Why Mommy Drinks, a weekly comedy podcast where I, Betsy Stover, talk to interesting people like Richard Jefferson from the NBA or Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend about a time that their kids broke them down into a shell of their former selves or maybe even drove them to drink, but in a fun way. If you have kids, this show will make you feel less alone. And if you don't have kids, you're going to be so glad you don't have kids. Listen on Campfire Media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. My mommy drinks. Campfire.